When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This year, Leaving Certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast. The podcast that takes a weekend's rugby, ignores the care advice and puts it on a boil wash and it comes out all sort of grey. I am yeah. Lee Calvert and over there is... Uh, Josh Gardner. I will say it in the exact same sort of weird meter that you did. The weird cadence forgot. that I did, yes. If I've forgotten my own surname. Yeah. Exactly that, yeah. What name am I using today? <laughs> Antonio Saxophony. Yeah, the, um, oh, yeah. If we only get in touch with me, it is at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. And I'll have mm-hmm. get in touch with you, Josh. Uh, at Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shirt Watch, or indeed RugbyShirtWatch.com. We are available on that Acast, that Apple Podcasts, and mm. that Patreon, for those of you who fancy to give us a bit of support, where this week you've got the extra bonus episode that looks at the 1998 Welsh Rebel season. Yes, I'd like to thank some... the person on Twitter... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering which one of us was going to make this nice comment about this. Who basically like, said that they didn't fancy spending an hour with us giving factual inaccuracies when it's quite clear he hasn't even listened to it. He's just read the teaser trailer. So can I just be very clear that ordinarily it takes people at least half an hour to find out we're factually inaccurate, never exactly. mind from the actual, just from a tweet. So, And also, if you're coming to us for factual accuracy, honestly, <laughs> yes. take a long, hard look at yourself. <laughs> quite. How did you end up here? Um, so... <laughs> That's it. So before we carry on, shall we just have a quick player spotted or a couple of player spotted this week, actually? Let's. let's lovely supporter and lovely Twitter person, Catherine Kavanagh, gets in touch and says, spotted Chris Robshaw in a coffee shop in my building. We did the small head nod of recognition to each other. Did he recognise her? 
Well, I think well, oh, right. I think the thing is, she obviously nodded. And he went, you know, because I do like yeah. that as well. Why, yes, sir. Why, yes, I am. That seems very Rob show that as well, doesn't it? it I'll make a big fuss. deal out of this. I just do a gentle, it's not gentle to be a big nod. Fuss. You yeah. don't make a big fuss. I don't make a big fuss. Let's go on. Andrew Han- Haldenby gets in touch on the DMs. He says, player spotted very belatedly, he says, I was having dinner with wife and friends at the Ivy in Cobham. I feel this is slightly out of our element, this already. <laughs> it's well above my sort of pay grade. I mean, this, this, is, this is really not my fucking... Yeah. yeah. So they like the, so like the satellite branch of the Ivy in Surrey. Yeah. At the end of the summer, the clientele is lots of Surrey flash for, of all ages. You and Josh should fit in perfectly, he says yes. Well, we would, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Like ducks to water. If Before they... we go on, do you, know, do you want to know? Um, my work uh, in my job, we're yes. planning a sort of fancy Christmas client bash thing uh, in London for in a couple of weeks' time. Hmm. And one of the options that I was present, we were presented with uh, from the company that do all these, like all, owns all these weird fri- like private fancy bars in London was... Bunga Bunga. Oh, no! And I was instantly like, well, we've got to go there, obviously. There's pizza, There's it's yeah. weird. Um, you have, like, you was... have pizza and live music all day and night. Yes, there are no windows and no doors. Um, <laughs> but I, sadly, tragically, I was outvoted and we didn't go for Bunga Bunga. Oh, that's giant. Where are you I going was... instead? I don't you know. Some, somewhere some sort of, Compared yeah, to some, Bunga Bunga. Somewhere, somewhere that isn't Bunga Bunga is where we Dog and Duck in Willesden. Yeah, yeah it's so, some, some posh bar that's pretending to be a fucking old pub or something, probably. I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, go back to yes. Andrew. He says, if they ever do it, the only way is Surrey, the Ivy and Cobham would be the spiritual home of it. Yes, I can't get that impression. <laughs> he said, who should be in there, though, when I was in there, in a special booth table to one side, but Mr. Mike Brown. Wow. Until recently, the England fullback with his wife. He said, we didn't rub a neck very much, not wanting to interrupt their evening, so not much to report. I didn't see him saying a great deal. Probably, possibly a shit conversation list. Might be a bit harsh to say that. I don't think it's harsh to say that at all, Andrew. I mean, judging by his post-match fucking interviews, he's a terrible... I'd like to think he just scowled at every course they put in front of him and was becoming increasingly fuming. That's entirely fair enough. Yes, that's accurate. Before we get into the details of this week, shall we decide who we're going to sit next to down the clubhouse? Because this is always a successful section, isn't it? Yeah, it went incredibly well with Ovin's last week, didn't it? Um... Yeah, the disgusted look on Mike's face when we yes. attempted to do comedy in front of him or try to be it's all amusing. Yeah. It was it's, quite amusing. It was the it was the uh, you know radio equivalent of sort of doing keepy uppies in front of yes. like you know Messi and yes. and doing six and going hey yeah. hey what do you think about that then? Yeah. Right. Anyway, let's go. Yeah. But un, un, anyway. unperturbed and unput off by it, we're yeah, going to keep going. Having, so without having to awkwardly do it in front of a pro comedian. Um, <laughs> go. Your first one this week right. is uh, Wesley Half a Scoop Berry. Um, <laughs> I'm well, it done. Right. That's the end of that. <laughs> so called, of course, because he shares a name with the uh, legendary American and international gladiators contestant of the same name, name but modified because. Uh, even in his 90s pomp, Wesley wasn't even half the athlete that car-jumping phenomenon Wesley Two Scoops Berry was. Um, now 46 and divorced twice, uh, half a scoop still turns out for, on the wing for the aptly named Limply Stroke Gladiators RFC when he's asked. Uh, he always brings his boots with him on Saturday just in case he hasn't been asked since 2004. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I'm already, you know, so this yeah. next one will have to be a cracker. Well, so, well, Your next option is uh, Lady Philomena de Bramflakes. Uh, she's the lady of Tittlesford Manor, heir to the Duchy of Borswet, and uh, 54th in line to the throne. 
Um, Philomena can also neck a point in three and a half seconds and is the undisputed ladies bare knuckle boxing champion of Tittlesford RFC. Um, she also likes to crochet, uh, press flowers, uh, and to ride Harley Davidson motorcycles without a helmet because, in her own words, live fast and die young. She's she's, a, she's, a, she's 69. She um, is a wonderful uh, yin and yang collection of things, isn't she? I think I'd have to sit, as much as I like Wesley, it would remind me of Wesley. I'd have to sit next to her, I think. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame you. Right then, your choice, Josh. You have a choice. You got a bit too rolled into one this week, really. You can choose okay. to sit okay. down next to Chakademus or Pliers. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's actually Chakademus and Pliers because the reggae duo that gave us tracks such as Tease Me, Murder She Wrote, and a reworking of Twist and Shout have struggled since their 90s heyday and now run the club at Honest Moron RFC <laughs> <laughs> in the Ronda Varg Valley. He, um, Chakademus plays third to the hookers on occasion, being a big lad, where he attempts to disrupt the opposition line-outs regularly by giving it the woman you love, it like burning fire on me soul, every time they're about to throw in. Um, I mean, and Pliers runs the lines. It runs the line if there's no volunteers. He's a bit miserable about it. Pliers. He still wants. To, he gets a bit like worked up at karaoke night. You know, gets a bit moody. I mean, I get, I get what he's saying. You know, if you've if you've scaled the heights of you know, of 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 something as wonderful. <laughs> I mean, when you've scaled these heights, uh, <laughs> imagine trying to throw in while he's shouting that. Exactly. I mean, it, it's... <laughs> we don't have to pay PRS for this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um. So yeah, uh, honestly, I mean, what's the jukebox like? Because have they have they reflected their musical tastes in the jukebox? It's, yeah, and it, but it's all specifically reggae from 1992 to 96. There's, there's nothing, okay. not even any Marley or anything. Oh, in that case, then uh, pliers all the way. I'll be miserable <laughs> all night long. Okay, so yeah, have a seat next to pliers. Yeah. So then, should we do some news? <laughs> should we do some news? Right, that might new... be the stupidest one since I said the concept of on we. <laughs> yeah, um... yeah, we're struggling now, aren't we? Let's be honest. Yeah. The um... <laughs> So, in the news, speaking of people who are struggling, well, not, maybe not people who are struggling, but there's not much wow. news, really, apart from all that stuff about people not being cited for anything. But that's so dull now, I can't even bother talking about it anymore. Yeah, and uh, loads of people being injured. Yeah. But, um, yeah. news, the developing club niche that is rugby players that play Lego in their spare time. Yes. Now has Jacob, Count Jacob Stockdale. Well. He loves to build Lego in the downtime in the island camp. Thing is, though, they never give you very good information, do they? Because actually, I'm left wondering what Lego it is. Is it it Technic? Is it Star Wars? Is it Ninjago? Is it Duplo so we can really chill out? Recently, he said uh, the the BBC report said he's made a couple of Star Wars spaceships and a replica of the Manhattan skyline. Now, can you still get Technic Lego? I don't know. I think they might. while 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 you're talking. I honestly think that, like, in my brain, Jacob Stockdale has basically built an entire Manhattan skyline, like, and it's about 10 foot wide and about 18 feet tall. And it's just literally, you know, he's, every spare, there's about 25,000 bricks involved. And it's, it's basically just meant that he's spent no time with his friends or his family at any point in the last month. I doubt it's that. 
Have a but guess how much a Lego Technic is still going. Right. Do you remember there was about there were like three Technic sets when I was a kid? One of which was the yeah. big car. I remember the, the big gears. car. I had the big car. Yes. And I built it. I remember when I first bought my kid some Lego and he tried to play with it after he built it and he, it kind of broke. I was like, no, the playing with it is the building it. Yes. And he couldn't it's... understand that. But anyway, no. have a guess how much the Lego the Lego Technic Bugatti Chiron or Chiron sports car is. Uh, I'm going to say. Now, interesting. I, I, I once had the Lego Technic uh, Space Shuttle, which featured fiber optics and a motorized opening uh Banging your Halo, wheelhouse, Halo, isn't it? Halo door. It took me about. I basically got it for Christmas, and my mother didn't see me for about a week. Oh, she must have been um, delighted. She was fucking delighted, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm going to say two hundred on that basis. Two hundred pounds. Two hundred and seventy-five pounds. See, because even in like even in like two thousand oh nineteen ninety-eight or whatever. That was about 150 quid. Have a guess how much the Lego Star Wars Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcon is. (laughs) Um, As somebody who has priced up uh, one of those big Lego Star Star Destroyers at one point in my life, I'm going to say like 400 quid. £649.99. What is wrong with the world? And get this, right? On the John Lewis side, of course it's the fucking John Lewis side. It's got 219 (laughs) reviews. Which means that 219 people have paid 650 scanning quid for a Lego set. Do you know what? And it probably says more about me than it does about about algorithms, right? But I, I've been getting a lot of... <laughs> I love where this is going, but yeah, go on. I've been getting a lot of targeted Lego ads on Instagram recently, right? And they are properly marketing it now as, like, things that adults do to de-stress away from the stress of everyday life. It's and the I new golf. That. It is. It's more expensive than gold. <laughs> Le- is, Lego, co- Lego is now more valuable than gold. Do you know? like in terms of pound weight, for pound? Pound for pound, like cocaine in that song, White Lines. Yeah, exactly like that. Um, but yeah, so they're marketing Lego to adults like me and saying, "You just want to relax, don't you? You just want to unwind from the stress and strain of everyday life and just build some Lego." And I fucking get it. I bought a Lego Back to the Future DeLorean about five years ago for Christmas. It was fucking fantastic. It only took me about 20 minutes, though. Even your cat wants us to move on from the Lego yes. patter, doesn't <laughs> it? really <laughs> fucking bored of it. <laughs> 269 quid for a Lego Taj Mahal. Fuck off. <laughs> but other, apparently Jack Noel does Lego, you were, you, you were saying. he was, Yeah, there was a big thing when he came onto the England scene in, in 2017, maybe, about how he basically unwound by doing Lego. And I think George North does it as well. So is this like what rugby players do? I bet Ben Smith does Lego. I bet he does as well. Do we actually know? Because Ben Smith is just so relentlessly sensible and like relentlessly dull that he probably sees that as a weird frivolity that takes him away from his... (laughs) He probably does a whittling. Yeah. (laughs) He does something slightly more macho. This Lego chat reminds me of when I was a kid, I went around to see my uncle... My mum took me to see my uncle Bernard Mm -hmm. and his wife, Florrie. Yes. So if you were, ever wonder about my working class heritage, I had an Uncle Bernard and Auntie Flory. So, um, and my Uncle Bernard cleaned toilets in Wigan. That was his job. And he, um, and my Auntie Flory was massively into Lego. And I went around yeah. and she was building this. And I was only about six. And she was building this. She'd built this massive house. And I said, can I have some Lego to build? <laughs> yeah. And she enough. said, no. And my Uncle Bernard said, well, come on, give him some Lego, Flory. Don't be like that. 
And then she handed over like a little tiny like Tupperware container with about five bricks in it, none of which matched. See, that is... I'm wounded and scarred by Lego ever frankly, since. Frankly, a bit of a dick move, isn't it? It is. Bloody fuck. There you go, look. There's, there's my Lego DeLorean. This is great radio, isn't it? That's is really cracking. small. How did they take you to know, build that? Fun. I mean, that's the size of a, of a normal man's it, hand. It took me about half an hour on Christmas Day, but what a half an hour <laughs> that was. Um, it's just been getting incredibly dusty on a shelf ever since, which is the ultimate drawback of like, grown-ups doing Lego. What the fuck? You can't... If you've got 100 Lego sets and you display them as an adult, you're going on a fucking register. So... Like, <laughs> Like, what, it's what a big you, red flag behavior. Absolutely. What do you mean? You you can't play with them. That's just weird. So what else? What do you do with them once you've built them? People who do a lot of Lego tell me. I don't know. You just give it give it to kids. That's Strip the right to the answer. waist when watching Telly and lie them on your chest. <laughs> I mean, the right answer is we need to, to stop kids. talking about Lego. Yeah. Oh, this really should have been a... a so anyway, Jacob Stockdale likes Lego. Let's move yeah, on. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, have you got any more news? Um, no, there's not really much news. This It's all fucking injuries. Who's everyone's. injured? Uh, Lee Halfpenny's injured. Chris Ashton's injured. Half the bloody All Blacks team are injured. Um, everyone's injured, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Liam Squire, Sam Whitelock, Sonny Bill and Joe Moody have all gone back, but they're only playing Italy and they could probably send out a bunch of fucking training I feel very, 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 very sorry for Italy. <laughs> they are going to yes. reap the whirlwind. They really are. The whirlwind oh, has had a load of sort of like rusty nails tipped in it. Massively. They are going to get... I mean, what is worse than getting battered? Like, What is the worst that can happen to you as a rugby team? Like yeah. just, they might as well just cancel rugby in Italy forever after this, because I don't think there's any could be any. It'd be like nice that thing. bit in a Guardians of the Galaxy when they grab hold of that thing. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> the details. Remember when they grab hold of that thing and they like they turn to like they like fossilize. It'd yeah, be like that fabric. bit where the German fellow in Raised the Lost Ark grabs all gets burnt, yes, and melts. Open it. While we're talking, eighties films. The arc. Yes, yeah. yes, it's. it's basically, that's going to be Sergio. I mean, Sergio Prese sort of looks a bit like a skull anyway, so. You know. Right then, shall we talk about the weekend? Yeah. Before Good we get into this. The, to, to, the, to, the, this. to the high-profile games, if you like, there's, yes, there's yes. quite a big game the weekend. France women beat New Zealand play. for the first time ever of the weekend in front of 17,000 people. Yes. That is not to be sniffed at, so congratulations to them. And I know we don't talk about women's rugby much on here. No, and that's primarily because me and the both feel like we should be uh, we're fucking not really qualified to do no, this, are we? I need to find. I do need to find. A, we do like to. Would like to find a female voice to come on here to have a chat to us about stuff. So, indeed. Um, I mean, but, we, uh, but, yes. but given that it's International Men's Day this week, <laughs> oh, there's some news for I you. Mean, it's all very well to be International Men's Day, but I want to know is when is International Men's Day? Eh? When do we get? <laughs> when is it International Andy Goods Day? That's when what is it I international... want. Oh God. <laughs> What I love about that, if you haven't seen this, by the way, it's because he retweeted Piers Morgan. Like Andy Good retweeted Piers Morgan is the most. There was the there's it's probably the most wonder- Brexit thing you've ever known, isn't it? But uh, there's some wonderful bits in that, including the uh, regardless of what you know, whether you like him or not. Brackets, I do like him. Andy says yes. Yes, <laughs> you do surprise me. Andy, <laughs> it's like yes. that shocks me massively. <laughs> um, yes, I just. 
I do love the I way they break because they obviously define what real feminism is. Have a read of this, Andy says, if you want to know what real female empowerment is. <laughs> Have a read what Piers Morgan's writing to figure out what real... And then when you read it, because I had to... What he says real family empowerment is, is is having a motor racing crash and not complaining about it. That seems to be the sum of his argument. <laughs> the thing that fucking absolutely just confuses me about people like him and about... It's like these these sort of men getting back to me men thing. Yeah. It's like, you can do that as long as you're not, like, beating your wife or, like, <laughs> like being a cunt to anyone. You can be yeah. as sort of old school manly as you want. Where exactly is all of this not allowed to happen? Yeah, it's like the Incredible. only thing that you have you been to thing... a golf club? Yeah, the only thing that you you shouldn't really do is impose that standard on other people. Yes. Yeah. Weird. Anyway. Yeah. First they came for the white men, <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and "Fuck off! Was... Stop talking bollocks!" Because nobody's coming for the white men. <laughs> anyway, right. Um, oh, other bit of other oh. games this weekend that were um, notable. Uh, Germany are on the brink of the World Cup. Well, they're on the brink of the brink of the World Cup. They still got that brilliant kit. Uh, yes, they have. Oh, it's such a good kit. It's a great kit. That. Um, yes. So Germany beat uh, favourites Hong Kong twenty six nine in the first round of the repechage for the Rugby World Cup. Where does Cup. that leave Canada? Um, Don't Canada have to win by a bonus or need to get a losing bonus point or something, or at least a point? Um, I don't know because Kenya, uh, Canada beat Kenya, and so I think that means that they're. I don't really know. I don't understand how a repechage works. All I know is that Germany might be going to the World Cup, which should be interesting. We're out of our element here. We need to get back to Lego. Yeah, immediately, if not sooner. What's your favourite Star Wars Lego set? I never know. Um, I know my son had a Star Wars Lego. Didn't have Star Wars Lego when I was a kid. No. No. I had to make my own Star Wars Lego using my imagination. Like a... When I was a kid... Um, and all this were fields. The year, the year the Empire Strikes Back came out, I got a load of Star Wars stuff. And I got um, the X-Wing fighter with battle yeah. damage, the Dagobah yes. battle damage. I, I, I had that very fighter, yes. And, but the funny thing was is that I went... Because I was a terrible looker for presents when I was a kid. So I found them all in suitcases in the spare room. <laughs> and I got them out and, like, put them, and put all the stickers on them and everything. Then put them back in the box. Nice. So then on Christmas Day, when they opened it, it was like all ready to go. And I'd ruined it for myself, really. I'd bloody ruined it for myself. You absolutely did. Um, yeah, I had a load of Star Wars stuff, but even though I was a bit, I'm quite a bit younger than you because my cousin, I think, yeah. handed them down to me. But it was the proper age. When was Empire? Shit. 81. Empire was 89. Empire was 79. And yeah. uh, I'd have been Jedi about five, was, I think. Yeah, Jedi was uh, 82 or something. 82? 83, yeah. I mean, so, Empire's Empire 80. Empire's 80. So I was right then. Thank you. you. Were, Apology accepted. The, uh, so. <laughs> right then, on to the weekend. Shall we start with um, <laughs> Shall we start with England? No, we won't. Oh, we'll start with is, Ireland. This is fun. Um, uh, before we get to shit good later, Richie Craven did get in touch. Hello, Richie. And he said that shit was the post beating the All Blacks hangover. I bet it yes. wasn't shit, though, Richie, yeah. was it? I bet it was the most glorious pain you've ever felt in your life. I bet it was shit for about five minutes, and then you remembered. <laughs> yes, and then, and then your pain disappeared. It was like um, it was like natural diamorphine through your system. <laughs> I can only imagine what the state of the, the general like plumbing system in Ireland was like. <laughs> After all that Guinness su- went down, yeah. Sunday morning, just like they got some sort of like contingency measure for that. It's some kind of yeah, some kind of rodding system, a giant <laughs> rodding system. Um, 
But I'll tell you what, though. Every Diner Rod employee in the world is on That call. Island Gate. You know, because it was the last game of the day and we'd had yeah. to watch lots of games leading up to it. Yeah. And at the end, I sat there going, yeah, now this is what fucking Test Rugby <laughs> is. This is, fucking test this is what Test Rugby is. That, yeah. I mean, for the first time since 2004, I don't think the All Blacks are the best team in the world anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm, it. I, think, I don't think they're the best team at this minute. No. I don't think they are, but I think if you give it till next sort of season, I don't think it'll be long. But I think it's, you've I got agree. to take it as it's sat here now. Yes. I do think that the way they're playing, yes, on form alone right now, they're probably not the best team in the world. A year no. out from the World Cup, a bit like England in 2002, really, mm. became like well, the best you, team in the world. The thing is, Ireland didn't just beat the All Blacks. They fucking handled them. The scoreline doesn't show how dominant they were. And it's also because... that thing, I remember saying about the England game last week when I said, you know, England looked all right till, sorry, the New Zealand-England game, you know, England looked all right till New Zealand got the ball. That didn't happen No, with Ireland. Even when New Zealand got the ball and were trying, you know, they brought everything well, New Zealand. They brought they what huffed, they bring. They you know. puffed and they just never looked like scoring. That's remarkable stuff for this All Blacks team. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting and it's really, it doesn't, it's sort of, the culmination of stuff that I thought about this All Blacks team for a while, mm. about how, and I think you're going to keep it. milking this prediction for as long as I, we can do it for. Yeah, well, we? and to be honest, with you, fair play. Like when I made that prediction back in September and said the All Blacks were struggling against England and lose to Ireland, um, a Kiwi fan came out of nowhere at me on Twitter and basically spent about two days telling me that I didn't, I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about and every point that I made was entirely irrelevant, yada, yada, yada. And fair play to that man who somehow went back three months, found that thread after the game and said, fair play, you were right. And oh, that, no. never, hey, now, that never When has that ever happened? Yeah. And absolutely... I can't remember his name, um, and I can't be bothered to look him up because things have happened since then. But well, whoever you are, we salute whoever you. Whoever you are, fair play to you. You're that a model takes, of how the internet should work. That takes some fucking gumption. You should have a and, massive two-day futile row, then come back and apologise two months later. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I tell you what, mind, the All Blacks, and it's something that I literally... If somebody, something set, somebody mentioned it on Twitter, and I, as I thought, I thought, fuck, they're right. The All Blacks don't have Miss Wayne Smith. Yes. But over the last year, they've looked as sort of chinky in the armoury as they've not seen since... <laughs> Sorry. Also, I know that's not what you meant. <laughs> no, I know, but it's, as I was saying it, I wondered why. Was... <laughs> they have a chink oh, in their armoury. Yeah, they have. Oh, developed... I mean, stop the saying I've... it. The notes I've got here say <laughs> the All Blacks have developed chinks in their armour the like we haven't seen in years, but for some reason... <laughs> I made that so much worse. It came out as a really 80s casual racist (laughs) word. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear me. We Um, apologise. Yes. You know what we mean. Uh, When you think about, like, all black rugby, New Zealand rugby in general, Wayne Smith has been a huge part of the culture thing for the last 15 years. You know, when he was at the Crusaders. Spectacular coach. An absolutely spectacular coach, yeah. You can't help, you know. He was the person who sort of had the idea with the Crusaders initially of like basically turning a rugby team into a weird cult where, where you know, they were all for the team and it was all for the jersey. And then he brought that to the All Blacks. And, you know, everywhere he went for 15 years, you know, when he left the All Blacks and went to the Chiefs after the World Cup, they instantly fucking became brilliant and won everything. 
then he went back to the All Blacks and the All Blacks were good again. And then he left after they lost to Australia last year. And ever since then, like particularly on an attacking sense, they still play great rugby, but it's, I can't imagine that he would have ever let them get to the point where they just looked so fucking out of ideas in attack. As They're they not did. devastating. No. Like, they th- can this play... season, they've not been... I mean, they have the most, but they've not been as consistently devastating as they have They been. have incredibly good core skills, yeah. which makes the stuff that they run that isn't complicated look absolutely ridiculously brilliant at times. But they're not doing... They're not unlocking defences with plan. Here's a question. You know your prediction about Ireland losing, about New Zealand losing to Ireland? Yes. If I'd weighed into that argument and said, do you still support that that view if Conor Murray, Sean O'Brien, and Robbie Enshaw are not playing? No, absolutely fucking not. And that's the thing. There's more to come from this Ireland team, and that's why I think they're the, they, they can now honestly and genuinely say we are the best team in the world. Because Conor Murray, Dan Levy, Sean O'Brien, Robbie Henshaw, like, that is, you know, four fucking cornerstones of anyone's team. Um, did you, I mean, I like Josh van der Fleer, right? He's part of that mm. Arsenal of Irish back rows who are all very competent. Yes. Would you ever, I would never have expected that performance to come was, out of him. The way he was carrying, I genuinely thought that Sean O'Brien had a, a miraculous recovery. Or a different scrum cap on. <laughs> yeah. It was... He just absolutely smashed every, like, everyone anywhere near him, both on defence and attack. And it was a remarkable performance. And Ireland keep doing this. And they keep unearthing remarkable performances out of players that, you you know, before the game, you don't expect it from. And then all of a sudden, they're brilliant. What's and... interesting is, well, what, I mean, Ireland, the, the physicality and the intensity was just on another level. Well, from from anybody, pretty much all over the park, really. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I thought at one point in the was it the first or the second half? You know, I found myself thinking, and I don't know why. I found myself going, Kieran Marmion's getting that ball away too quick. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? And not yeah. because actually, I do think there was an element of you're getting a bit flustered now. Yeah, you looked might, a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying he played badly, no, but, but there was something rushed. about doing the rugby equivalent of putting your foot on it, like in a football sense, and having a look, yeah. you know, sort of thing. You see, but but that's by the by, that's not a criticism really. I just I think it was more about they they could have played to strengths even more. I suppose is what yeah. I'm saying. I think if Connor if Connor Murray's playing in that game, it's an, a mu- a much more comprehensive looking win. What's because... interesting is it's, it's a year out from the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah. So. And the trouble is now is that even Hansen's come out and said they're favourites, hasn't he? Yes. And Schmidt was out two minutes later going, oh, don't be so ridiculous sort of thing. <laughs> but now that will be a thing now, won't it? Yeah. So it's interesting well, to know whether this will be a good thing or will it be a shit thing or a good thing for Ireland? It's interesting because, I mean, obviously, historically, Ireland and Rugby World Cups have not gone fantastically well no, together. No, they go together like a fart and a space suit. And exactly so, or a darts match, <laughs> or indeed a darts match. Um, and so you've got a one like the Six Nations would be an interesting thing because you know they are now undoubtedly favourites for the whole thing, favourites for a Grand Slam. You know, there's nowhere where they won't go in as favourites now. Yes. Even Cardiff, you know, wherever they will be comfortably the bookies' favourites. But the Six Nations front. looks that's going to be a fucking umdinger, doesn't it? 
in the meantime, I think we need to talk about Andy Farrell again, don't we? Yeah. Is he the greatest defensive coach this game has ever seen? And I think it's not some... Obviously, he... Well, he's definitely got a good shout for it, hasn't he? And he's, <laughs> and he's And he obviously builds patterns that work. But more than that, it's this... When you watched the Lions DVD, we made the comment, didn't we? When he was just stood up talking. He wasn't even being particularly shouty, and he was just stood up talking. There is just it is that thing. He's got something about him, man. Which is why he captained his club at eighteen and his country at twenty-one, and all that kind of stuff. And whatever it is, he does to inspire that. And I don't mean just where they stand. I mean what they do. I mean the way that they move around and everything. Is ridiculous, it's, really. It's it's and, and it's if you could bottle that, it's just incredible. Yeah, you the way he had Saracens defending, England defending, you know, for all of the other things that went wrong with England in you know the 2015 era, their defence was rarely the problem. Like, and the way they had Munster defending briefly before that, you know, it's like he. It's not a coincidence. This is a pattern. Hmm. He basically the Lions, as you say. He I forgot about up. the monster period. He just came over yeah. for about four weeks and transformed yeah, instantly. Defense. Yeah, instantly. Monster were fucking brilliant on defence. And yeah, that's why turns... I think a lot of it isn't just technical. There is something no, about him. That, it's I think there's something about him going, oh shit, what will Andy think if I don't do this? Mm-hmm. Transforms a team, I think. Whatever he does. And I, I will be intrigued to see what happens when um, Sean Edwards leaves Wales. Because any fucking idiot can basically coach a blitz defence these days, technically, you mm. know? It's not hard. Like, there's something else about defence coaching that is very much a... It's an emotive thing. It's a personal thing. It's a it's an accountability thing. Ed, Edwards like, talks about defence being an emotional <laughs> endeavour, yeah. doesn't he? Or some, something around those words. Yeah. And, and I want, like... And interestingly, like... Yeah, it's Wales are brilliant on defence and have been, you know, up and down since Edwards took over. He leaves after 2019. Mm. Will those same players still be as good on defence? And if they're not, players will blame the system, will blame technical, like, uh, yeah. you know, pundits will blame the system, they'll blame the technical side of things. But reality is, it's just about fucking motivation. Mm. And being able to continue to motivate people. You've got to be like a fucking drill sergeant. Yeah, leadership. Yeah, but um, speaking of people leaving, unfortunately for Ireland, Joe Schmidt has now passed his job interview with flying fucking colours. Yeah, it'd be interesting um, to see that, won't it? What, what happens? Well, yeah, he's he's stalling on signing a new contract with the IRFU, which is uh, up after the World Cup, um, and Steve Hansen is going to announce his post World Cup plans in the next couple of weeks. Apparently, once this tour is over, he's going to say. Mm whether he's knocking it on the head after the World Cup. Um, the common sort of expectation is that he's going to step down. And if he does, it wouldn't surprise me if they've already spoken to Joe Schmidt about a lot more than fucking rugby tickets. My cat is incredibly down today. I can only apologise for that. Um, shut up. Now, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if he's planning on retiring uh, he's, you know, he's, he's 58 now, he's 59, something like that. He's won two World Cups. How long has he been in Ireland for? Oh, sorry, uh, Hansen. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's like there's there's only so much you can do as a fucking 
as a coach before just going, have I got the will to keep doing this all the time? Yeah. Yeah. And and especially given that it feels like they're sort of the All Blacks are not necessarily on the most up and down, like upward curve, you know. Yeah, it's like when there's like people in work who are in the sort of about sixty, and then you go to a big restructure, and they go, you know what? I'm just going to go now because I can't, I can't <laughs> do this again. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think there's um, I've danced this. There's probably dance something about that, before. is it? He might look at it and go, I just, I'm not building another squad for another. Well, I wonder if that, I wonder if that was the case with Wayne Smith. You know, like he thought, look, I've won two World Cups here. Yeah. <laughs> Can, have I really got the will and the, the sort of desire to mould another All Black team? And I kind of feel like Hansen wanted a crack at it because he wants. He wants a World Cup that's entirely on him, you know? Mm. Like, a lot of people could say, rightly or wrongly, that the 2015 World Cup was sort of built with the foundations and a lot of the players that Henry brought through and moulded. And he wants a World Cup that's primarily players that he's brought through and he's coached and he's been responsible for. But after that, what the fuck else has he got to do, you know? Like... And there's only two names, really, that are viable candidates, Joe Schmidt and Warren Gatland. And Gatland, despite his great CV, has never beaten the All Blacks for Wales. He's beaten them with the Lions, obviously, but it's... Steve Tandy's working his way down there. I tell Steve, Steve Tandy at the Rebels, that's a bit of news we missed. Uh, the Rebels, Waratahs, which... Uh, defence coach of the Waratahs. Defence coach of the Waratahs, which is an interesting... Uh, a you could have of... a Steve Tandy, Kingsley Jones access for the All Blacks. <laughs> you could. Let's see you, how I good mean... your squad is then. <laughs> well, it's because, um, oh, what's his face? The guy who used to be in charge of the, uh, Andrew Hall is is still the head honcho at the Warriors, isn't he? He used to be the Ospreys CEO. So loves a bit of nepotism. Um, but good luck to him. I so, anyway. yeah. A... Um, can well, you imagine I think more that... than anything... For me, I go back to the point about this is what Test Rugby is. That game was 25 minimum percent better than everything else that day. 50% I, better. I know it's... I know, I, I, I honestly, how am I measuring that? I don't care. You just know that it is. Honestly, probably 25% better than anything else we've seen this autumn. True. And Good possibly point. anything else we've seen this year full stop. Maybe like, about 10 minutes of England in the first half versus New Zealand in terms of intensity. <laughs> but again, yeah. no, not there, but yeah. something like it. But imagine, if you will, an All Blacks coaching team from 2019 onwards, right? Uh-huh. Joe Schmidt as your head coach. Uh-huh. Andy Farrell as your defence coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, already. That's fucking shit, is that isn't it? it? Um, I mean... What else you got? Your... <laughs> Warren Gatland as a forwards coach. He wants to go back to New Zealand. He wants to eventually get the top job. There's a bit of a... Tries to prove himself at last in New Zealand in the top job. I don't think that will happen, but imagine if it did. Imagine if it did. <laughs> Schmidt, Farrell and Gatland in charge of the All Blacks. And throw in somebody like, I don't know, Scott Robertson from the uh, Crusaders as the attack coach. <laughs> Every other rugby club nation goes, well, it's been a good run, lads. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to turn the lights out on your way out? <laughs> yeah. Right, I mean, that was Ireland. That, that was an amazingly good game. Ridiculously I enjoyed good game. A humdinger. Yeah, and, and actually, all credit to Ireland, who really have followed up on what's been the past 18 months, really. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't taken their foot off like a lot of Northern Hemisphere teams do 
when they sort of reach a pinnacle. They've just got better and better and better. Right then, where are we going next? England, Japan? Well, um, we, yeah, we can we can do good game, bad game, good game, bad game if you want. So, I mean, you know, we tend to, I tend to take, and I've always taken for a long time, a shit good approach to things. And ultimately... <laughs> I've noticed. Ultimately, you have to decide whether something was shit or something mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. And for all the kind of nonsense that was spoken, England's yep. performance was shit. And that's mm. with giving all credit to Japan and all that let's kind of beat, stuff. Let's not beat around the bush here. England were losing at half-time at Twickenham against Japan. I tweeted at the time that Sky's front-line thing... Mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming Maggie, Maggie Alfonsi for this. I think that's just because the editorial line is, is that you only kind of show England stuff. And she was talking about how... Well, showing how powerful England's forward runs were and all that kind of shit. At the exact same time that Elliot Daly was launching... They'd given the ball to Elliot Daly to kick sticks from 50 metres to yeah. bring the game level against Japan at home towards the back end of the <laughs> it's, first half. It's, it's really not... It's not good, is it? It's... No. And, I mean, you know, experiment... Then people say, oh, well, it's an experimental side. Okay, fine. Why? Why is it experimental? Why do how, you and think... how experimental is it, really? And why would you have Noel as a centre anyway? England is still yeah. struggling to build a centre partnership out of people who are actually centres. <laughs> What's the point in going to like whatever the international equivalent is, the centre aisle of fucking Lidl, and getting a centre <laughs> from there and putting them in and going, let's see how that goes. I'll tell you what's going to go. It's shite. It's going to go shite, and that's how it's gone. Well, yeah, and, you know, you look at that, you know, oh, it was experimental. I mean, yes... There were some experimental selections, like the centres, obviously. Yes. But that backs, you know, and Ford and Care, how many fucking caps have they got between them? Exactly. Over 100. Courtney Laws, loads of caps. Maritoji, loads of caps. Jamie George, loads of caps. Jack Noel, loads of caps, albeit in the wrong position. Elliot Daly, first choice fullback. Chris Ashton should be first choice winger. It was a team that had changes, but it was not a team that was no. necessarily. It's not like they fucking ripped it up and started again, is it? And even... Um, uh, surely the whole point <laughs> of having a squad in camp is that everyone knows how to play in the right way. So you look at the first half an hour against New Zealand and go, that's how you play. Yeah. And then you come and then to they... them and you go, what, what are you lot doing? Now, to be fair... <laughs> what are you doing? What are yeah. you doing? I mean, maybe Jones is as frustrated as everybody else, but I'm not going to say that it was all right when it wasn't. And mm. I suppose there's one thing is, you know... England had hardly any possession that game. They had something like about 35% possession. Mm. Because there is an element of when Japan kept the ball so well, yeah, and they really did, there is something about, you know, give. I'm arguing with myself here, trying to play devil's advocate, you know, give them a break because Japan kept the ball so well, particularly in that first half, what were they supposed to do? Coming back to the point about Farrell and Edwards, I don't believe that a Farrell or an Edwards defence would have put up with that shit. No. You know, the England just weren't dominant enough in defence. And in fact, at some points, they looked quite lazy. There was definitely, was a, a... I think it was in the first Japan try when the Toji was kind of trotting round in midfield and suddenly realised, oh shit, I'm meant to cover that and stuff like that. I honestly think that, you know, Eddie's fucking incredibly classless shit at the start, you know. 
oh, before yeah. the game. Go pray. Well, Go to the temple and pray. And pray. One of the most, yeah. one of the most condescending and unpleasant things that anybody's ever said about a fucking heavily unfavoured. Hope his mother bollocks him after all this. <laughs> I know. She is it's so fucking unpleasant. But anyway, um, I honestly, that kind of attitude, you know, you'd think, oh, it's all just bollocks and bluster, but. You know that's that attitude is how fucking they played. They played with that sort of oh well we're just going to turn up and fucking batter you, and we won't have to really try hard and you're a bit shit to be honest. And then we and scored it's... a try early. <clears throat> yeah. So there was a kind there's... of oh well, this is going to be fine now. But yeah. And then Michael Leach went no 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 no. Michael Leach um... is the fucking international winger Jack Noel wishes he was. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think more than anything else, this game showed that. England's most important player in every single fucking facet of this game is Owen Farrell. He is like, like the most miraculous comfort blanket that's ever been knitted. Yeah, they look inc- both sides. Of He's the ball. not from the centre aisle a little. No, no, they both sides of the ball without him. They don't. They don't look like they know what they're doing. And I don't know what England do if he gets himself in any way serious. I would just, if I was Eddie Jones, I'd think about just not picking him until the World Cup. I this kind of years you've been coming on going, lads, what the fucking hell are you doing? <laughs> just with that, incred- that expression, just incredible annoyance that he wears regardless of whether he's happy or yeah. sad. Purple face meltdown job, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I suppose it, you've got to have a bit of a down game. And I think, yes, given the way Australia have been playing, they were st- even though they won against this. Oh, I think you'll batter Australia. They were big, we have to have something that looks... And they're not bothered about winning... I'm really not. I mean, the fact that it was relatively comfortable in the end for me, I still don't know what the game plan is. I still don't know how we're supposed to be playing. I mean, Danny Kerr's unbelievable. His brain his brain is a in miracle. A, in a variety of ways. It's a miracle of modern science, his brain. It yes. should be studied, not for like CTE. It should be studied to understand how it cannot store any of his experience in a meaningful and useful way. Why can't he, whatever part of his brain that gets accessed from an experiential point of view? I reckon Danny Kerr, you know, even like a wood burning stove with no windows, you can't see that it's hot. Yes. I reckon he just can pre- regularly just keep putting his hand on it going, ow, <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Because that, you know, that. It's not great, is it? I mean, that New Zealand, going back to that New Zealand game with him, you know, when he spent the entire last 10 minutes, they're setting up for a drop goal, falling over in an attempt to get a penalty, then going the wrong side of the pitch. And, and it says a lot that he's been dropped for the first time that Eddie Jones has actually dropped him, which in itself is... But he's dropped him so that he can pick the incredible one-two punch of Ben Youngs and Richard Wigglesworth as his, his, his two nine. And realistically, that's probably going to be his two nines that he's going to the World Cup with. At least Wiggy would manage a game, though. He would. He's not exactly a superstar, is he? But he'll I would probably start, box I'd kick when he's supposed to. And he'll probably drive you to the parts of the pitch you're supposed to be in. I think for what England want to do, they should start Wigglesworth over, over Ben Youngs. Because Wigglesworth will always do the right thing. Mm. And he'll never do anything particularly spectacular. But yeah. he will always do the thing that is the most, the, the highest percentage thing. Yeah. And that's all that England needed to do on the weekend, really. I mean, yeah. You and know, it got much better when he came on. I mean, Cochrane Singer looked good, to be fair. He and, did. And, and he's got some international experience, and that's good. Charlie Ewells came on, and that was good. Ted Hill. Mm-hmm. So the sum of that, 
But I come back to that point that you're supposed to be able to change personnel and still be recognisable as as a style of play. Mm. And that's kind of what was quite pleasing about the Wales game. Yeah. If we want to sort of segue into that. Um, These days, everybody wants to be green. I'm not talking about selfies with your favourite houseplant or fair-weather football fans. I'm talking frank and honest coffee. Sustainably made, supporting local jobs and communities. We are guaranteed Irish and a genuinely greener choice. Frank and honest. You can't fake great-tasting coffee. Available in Centra and Super Value stores nationwide. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. They actually looked like a, a team of people who'd met before. Even though you've they got had like a proper squad now, haven't you? That was the like you've got like what, thirty players who they, don't look after player number seventeen like you want to burst into tears because they're playing, you know. Yeah, well, let's think. Aside from Liam Williams, that starting fifteen uh, on Saturday, are, I'd say Liam's probably the only one that's going to get the starting near the starting fifteen against South Africa on the weekend, and yet they were genuinely good. How like, does it feel to have a team that comfortably dispatches tier two opposition in the autumn? I don't know. It's weird and new. <laughs> because honestly, Wales... I need a little ago, bit more time to think about how I feel about <laughs> it. Yeah. Like, Wales of a year ago, let's not forget, Wales were just about managing to beat Japan with a late drop goal, which was even more embarrassing than fucking what you did on the weekend. Like, But this Wales team have actually learned their lesson. Because like Wales of a year ago, and we've all seen this fucking movie before, like when Tonga started coming back into that game, yeah, when they brought it like thirty-one, twenty-four, that sort of period, yeah. Well, yeah, well, it was twenty-four all at one point, yeah, true, and yeah. it was like you know when they that physicality and the power game that they were just smashing into tackles and they were getting over the game line. It's like I have seen that fucking movie in the autumn against, particularly against Pacific Island teams, and I've seen Wales draw games and lose games off that, and instead they just went, "Don't worry about it, lads." And just promptly, absolutely fuck. They just trusted the system. They trusted the defence. They trusted their fitness. And then they absolutely fucking blew them away in the last quarter. And some of the tries they scored. I know, I know Tonga were fucking knackered. Yeah, and they, and they were shit. Let's be honest. And they were. Well, shit, that's how you put shit teams away. That's how you put. Yeah, and you do it by throwing in a bit of fucking razzle dazzle and and showing teams that you can play fucking rugby. And it was really genuinely encouraging. And I'm really not used to that from where, like, <laughs> I keep having to sort of pinch myself and think Wales have won three of, like, usually one out of four is sort of the average for an autumn with Wales. Mm. And we're three out of four going for four of four. Is, this, was, is it the box this week? Box this week. I don't think we'll win that game. But still, I'd be, if you'd have come up to me before the fucking 
Orton Tanasha started and said, would you like three from four? I just said, yeah, absolutely. I like Aaron and Wainwright a lot. I like the Aaron Wainwright. The more I see of Aaron Wainwright, the more he's I a, like it. He's an impressive physical specimen. Ellis Jenkins continues to look like the man who's going to be captain of Wales in, five, in a couple of years' time. And Tyler Morgan, man. And Tyler Morgan coming back from... Wherever he's been. Diab- <laughs> well, type 1 diabetes, actually. Jesus, but, God. Yeah. And, and looking really excellent. Um... Steph Evans looking good when he came on. Liam Williams just been fucking superb. Um, and Jonah Holmes, that, the recently Jonah, Welsh Jonah Holmes. We'll come on to him a bit later, I think. Okay. But um, <laughs> but yeah, and you know, players like you know, even Dan Bigger played really well. You know, he did. And, and, and good. Dan Bigger, good. You've um, got three. I honestly think that he'll start Dan Bigger on Saturday now because he look at that box team and go, this is a game for Dan Bigger. And that's the really interesting thing about Wales now, in that they're not, you know, they're nowhere near Ireland in terms of depth, God, no. or, or even England to be honest. But they're in a point where he can potentially yeah, go. You're not playing a winger as a centre, though, are you? No, exactly. But and he can also. Well, said to me on Twitter. At least we know that we, we know that Noel can't start at centre now. It's like, why did I we fucking... need to know that? How did you not know that before <laughs> hey, we even look, started? Look, Warren Gatland started George North thirteen on the summer tour last year. So every coach needs to do that stupid thing at least once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Fair. you know, they, he can Warren Gatlin can legitimately horses for courses some shit now. Like, like he can say, oh well, what we need here is two fucking massive blokes in the second row. So, well, here's Corey Hill and Alan Wynn Jones. Or if we need somebody who's a bit more athletic, you know, we've got players like you know. They've got said. Yeah, you know, I was really impressed. Even though I still don't think he's a number eight, Seb Davis is a fucking specimen of a Rangy. player. Really, <laughs> when he, Rangy. yeah, in in the classic sense that when he, as soon as he got in any kind of open field, those legs opened up, and you do that sort of oh, oh, <laughs> he's he's a big man, but he can move very quickly. Do you know um, what I'm looking forward to? What is is finding out how about twenty three of this squad get injured. In the run up to next October, it's going to be really fun. <laughs> How many different, different way, the freak lawnmower yeah. accidents, everything will be going on to, to, to make yeah. it that you're basically picking. Yeah, you people, know that bit in. You're, you're picking you know from, bit people from cross keys, basically. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lawnmower demonstration in the office, Mad Men style, and uh, that's one of the best lines yeah. in Mad Men ever, isn't it? He's <laughs> it's lost the greatest his foot. line. He's lost his foot just as he was getting just as he got in the door. Yeah. Oh, the greatest line in television ever. Um, <laughs> yes, but. Um, I just yeah, it's weird. It's weird for a Wales fan to look to see such genuine competency again. I thought those days were long gone, and I'm sure that Saturday will prove some sort of. Once again, we find that it seems that Warren Gatland knows what he's doing. (laughs) Funny that, isn't it? I know it's a remarkable thing, and maybe Eddie Jones does because maybe we've been you've been sat. Exasperated with Gatland many times, so I am, yeah. ultimately, I suppose, in the next twelve months is all about it's one almost, thing. So, it's almost, yeah, it's almost like Gatland does not give a fuck about anything really that happens between World Cups. Yeah. He is prepared to sacrifice anything that happens between World Cups in terms of bad performances, squad depth, any of those things to build the depth and quality and cohesion for. A World Cup, and he's shown, you know, twice now that he knows what he's doing in that regard, mm. and it sort of seems like he's got it on track again. So, Watch we'll see. This space. Should we talk about Scotland? The other good game of the day. 
Very good. Scotland are really lovely, just great. lovely to watch. Aren't Honestly, they? they're a fantastic team. I don't to mean watch. that in a patronise. Sounds patronised. It's not. They're genuinely a really good rugby team to watch. Yeah. If you don't want to watch that, what you're watching for? Yeah, their handling is amazing. Their speed of thought is great. All that stuff. They're all of that stuff was present and correct on they Saturday. Had, um, and actually, against that, you know, the Bock monsters, um, mm. their scrum held up. Stood up. Stood up all right. Yeah. Good scrum parity. Breakdown. A different question. They got bullied at the Britain. And they don't have enough so, dog about the carrying, do they? They don't, they don't have the dog. Full stop. Their lack of power, like a proper power game, yeah. is an issue. They need something to add to the mish, don't they? For all the yeah. mishes, pinballing and awkwardness, yeah. and he's, he's a gem. Yeah. But they need... They, know, need they, an, they need a six or an eight who yes. can fucking get with the nasty stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think that... Gregor Townsend sees Blade Thompson at the Scarlets as sort of the long-term option at eight, and he's a fucking cracking player. Yeah, but he's an athlete. He's a. He's not a. He's more of a Falatau than a. Yeah, and young, than a Moriarty. I like look at young Fagerson. I'm not sure he's. Me too. Uh, you know, he's but, he's got something about him, but um. And, and it doesn't have to carry. And doesn't have to come from eight, of course. But no. they just need. They need some dog about them. Like if you can't, the, they need an Alan Wynn, don't they? They need an Allen win. Yeah. They need a. They need a. They need a launch pre type, don't they? I'm not saying they it has do. to be a super powerful mega thing. You need this. No, they need somebody who's going to do the nasty things. And I just. And I think Johnny they... Gray's just about five percent off it. I yeah. really like him, but I think he's Me just too. about five percent. I think off Johnny it. Gray would be great with a sort of launch pre laws. Allen win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even a Devin Toner sort of player next to him, yes. he'd be great. But the problem is, if you cannot match a power game at this level, then the good teams like Ireland or South Africa or New Zealand, even England or Wales and France, to be honest, like if they know that you can't handle that, <laughs> they will just come straight out and do it because they all can. And they will just turn the game into a street fight. And it doesn't matter how nice the patterns that you run are and how lovely the tries you score are, because they scored some epically good tries oh, on Peter the game. Horn's try, man. Oh, but... Rumours of Hugh Jones's demise were overstated, weren't they? After massively the overstated. Couple, a bit of a wobbling Cardiff. But to be honest, I suppose the good news is... Well, I don't know, is it good news or not? <laughs> it is harder to get the stuff they do well right... Oh, absolutely. ...than it is to get some... Big bastards in on one level. However, yeah. you can't coach big bastards, can you? They're either no. big bastards or they're well, it's, not. You it's, know. The old, it's the old NFLism of you can't coach speed. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you yeah. can't. You can't coach bastard dog either. <laughs> yeah. You cannot. Co you cannot coach somebody to be a naturally horrible bastard. And or, you know, Scotland have done a wonderful job going around the world and finding anybody with a fucking spurious connection to Scotland to bring in and put a blue shirt on him. There's and nothing I wrong with that. We don't have nothing wrong with that. that. I genuinely, genuinely applaud the sort of diligence which they've gone and looked for players to make their team better and work within the rules to do that. But they could do with finding some fucking big old South African boys <laughs> with some vague fucking Scottish Imagine they could just find that Mostert had a grandparent or something. Exactly. Something like that they need, don't yeah. they? They need, they need, you know, go find a man. There's loads of big burly Italians. Surely one of the one of yours yeah, is Italian. 
Yeah, one of yours has become an Italian. Why can't one of the Italians become a Scottish? You know, it's they need something of that about them. And there must be a farmer in Northern Ireland who's got some, surely, some you know, Ulster Scots link somewhere you can pull over. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they also seem to worryingly. If I was Scottish, while they still play amazing rugby, they've developed a bit of a wastefulness problem this autumn, haven't they? Mm. It's like they play, they get themselves in. Is it because they play such good rugby? They just they're not as clinical as they need to be because they think, well, if we squander that chance, there's going to be another one along in five minutes, sort of thing. Yeah, they also try when it from a lot of places, don't they? Yeah, oh, and why they get Finn Russell keep kicking the ball away. Oh, I know, like against, but against Wales and against the box on Saturday, there were numerous moments where they sh- really should have scored that Hugh Jones break in the second half, probably the most egregious yeah, one where yeah. they absolutely needed to finish that. And it's a learning thing, and I honestly think they'll get there. But again, like good defensive teams, like Ireland, South Africa, New Zealand, Wales, France, they'll only give you like one or two chances a game to score a try, you know. And if you don't take them, you're probably going to lose. But I tell you what, going to Murrayfield's going to be great fun for the next five years, isn't it? Absolutely. If I, I don't want to win and all that, but I mean they do all right at home actually. But it's just watching them, because I mean a lot of Scottish fans, and I know a lot of you listen out there, you know, remember two thousand and nine. Oh yeah. Remember that sort of period, you know, and actually this Remember is so the dark, night and day. The dark days of Chris Patterson and Ben Blair, you know, it's... Phil Godman. Phil Godman. <laughs> but, uh, Mike Blair, sorry, not Ben Blair. Yeah, um, you, yeah they would have been happy with Ben Blair. Ben Blair, ben, <laughs> I mean, a lot with Ben Blair. Yeah. Um, Hugo Southwell. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, um, we're talking about how good it is for Scotland now. Let's not go yeah, back well, there. Yeah, well, you think about that, and you think, you know, even and obviously you don't want to lose, but honestly, if I was going and watch that, you know, eight or nine times a year, or however many Scotland games there are these days, you know, even if I lost and I'd seen fucking tries like that, and I'd seen sort of Joao de Vive fucking rugby like that, I would not yeah. go away particularly unhappy. Hugh Jones's cat flap offload pass. <laughs> what can you say? Absolutely epic stuff. Um, yeah. On a South Africa side, though, hmm. the old Springboks are starting to come back, aren't they? They've had lots of every game's been incredibly tight for them, hasn't it? They just yeah, seem to figure they, out a way of how to win these days, don't they? They don't, from, they don't. And they should have won against England. Let's be honest. No, the winning games away from home with massive defence, clinical attack, and metronomic long, uh, long distance goal kicking. I mean, that is. <laughs> That is we're very familiar and not particularly enjoyable way for no. everyone, isn't it? Um, I mean, I can't wait till they win the World Cup, sort of twelve three next year, two thousand and seven <laughs> forever. Yeah. That's what I'm. Afraid. I mean, if nothing else, uh, the Wales this weekend should be like a seismic, ultra physical clash where the Millennium Stadium just basically opens up and it all falls into it. The roof will blow off because of all the pressure that will build up inside Quite it. possibly, quite possibly. I'm going to that actually. So How I are you? Oh. This might be my last podcast if it does get swallowed up into the... <laughs> yes, so uh, yeah, but yeah. I, I think South Africa are, are on their way and doing all that without faff as well. Which I like weird... Ambrose Papier. Yes, <laughs> I like saying it. Yeah. Awful lot. He sounds like a Victorian uh, toilet manufacturer. He absolutely does. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, both teams very. It's nice, genuinely nice, to watch autumn clashes that are competitive and good, where both teams are good. 
It has been you a know. pretty decent set of matches this autumn. Honestly, it really aside has, it? from Wales Australia, which was obviously hateful and shit. Yeah. Um, but that there were different. That was outcome only. That was, yeah. That was the only concern. <laughs> yeah. That was. Um, Did we just sing the song again? No. No. Yeah. Nobody wants that, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, like yeah, it's 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 been really competitive and really good and really and there's been loads of drama and there's been loads of upset and intrigue and my fucking tinfoil hat is now a full tinfoil suit oh, by the oh, way yeah because let's be honest <laughs> whether it's a conspiracy or not you can't deny the facts of what's happening <laughs> there wasn't, i'm not saying whether, that there's definitely some conspiracy but it is whether, quite yeah, clear whether, that whether through there's very strange it, decisions happening whether in, through incompetence or <laughs> or intent um the game is being very refereed very very differently than it was three weeks ago or four weeks ago, uh, and that's weird. Um, yeah, no sighting for Sia Colosi, uh, Khaleesi. Mad no, shit. well, because he said it wasn't a red, didn't they? they, they they've given him a sighting commissioner's warning, which, which sounds is, really yeah, rubbish. Which, which apparently is when it's more than a yellow card, but not quite enough to be a red, which doesn't exist. Um, yeah. What? So if you try and headbutt somebody again, then you'll be in trouble. Yeah. Odd. Rugby is very silly. We we've discovered that we've discussed yeah, this. To be honest, it is an, an imperfect and inconsistent Absolutely. game. It's part of what makes us love it, really. One thing I don't want to do is spend the rest of my life doing all discussing all of that stuff. I know. It's but like know, the that's endless why I... gifts, man. <laughs> endless gifts. <laughs> gifts so many the... gifts. When I were your age, all this were gifts. Gifts of <laughs> controversial <laughs> try. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. many oh and the uh, 2010 so, many, so su- many gifts so many super slow-mo versions of contacts to the head or shoulder or neck all those gifts are the reason why there should be government legislation to remove video editing from phones <laughs> it shouldn't be allowed uh, the thing is yes. it's always been in rugby is it where we're going to disagree with each other Mm-hmm. I thought it was that. I thought it was that. But you never used to be able to get your VHS tape out, did you? No, go, and roll right, it back. I've brought this tape to the clubhouse with me. It's <laughs> four seconds long, this tape. We're going to have it. I'm going to keep going backwards and forwards with it on the VHS recorder, <laughs> on the big back <laughs> telly to show <laughs> you I was right. Yeah. And the, the picture's fucking moving. With and the, light, the grey lines across great, yeah. it. <laughs> I can't see fuck all. That looks like two oh. rabbits in a snowstorm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's... Rugby will always have this, but yeah, and I it's think very obvious. Th- there definitely should be a twenty-minute window after games in which you're allowed to have these discussions, and then it then it's over. And then, yeah. In fact, try- on my Twitter account, I'm introducing that rule now. You've got twenty <laughs> minutes after kickoff, or twenty minutes after I've watched it on catch up to actually yes. get your points in. Then it's over. Then yeah, it's only- twenty minutes after I've made the point, and <laughs> yes, then then dead. that's it. And I, I, I've been, I've really tried hard to do this for this autumn, and honestly, I've enjoyed it a lot more. Like, if if you just limit your fucking complaining about rugby's massive inconsistencies, of which there are millions, you will find that you enjoy the game a lot more. And I certainly have. Yeah. Um, the other game. Maybe everybody just needs to. Maybe just everybody needs a podcast to fucking rant about it every week like we do. Yeah, I can get it all out in here. No right of reply, apart from from you. Um, Yeah. uh, So what else was at the weekend? France played Argentina at the weekend. I didn't see it, but apparently apparently. it was good and also a bit bonkers. 
which and is exactly what... she'll be frightened again for the World Cup group because of the bonkers nature of it. Exactly what I want, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, you never know with like it's not just that you never know with France now. It's like Argentina are just as unpredictable as France. Tell you Can what, you imagine look the... at that French bat line? Imagine... Imagine if they both hit their straps at the same time at the World Cup next year. How funny would that be? I mean, not for you, but for everybody else. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yes, you look at that France backline and you think... I mean, Johan not... Uge, Bastereau, there's a lot of shit out in there, isn't there? <laughs> I mean... The and then Madness, Maxi... Lopez, and Baptiste. Then Maxime Madar just sort of continuing to fucking roll back the years. Mad stuff. Love like it. it's really a weird it. that, that French team is a weird blend of ancient people and young people and the ancient people are the weirdos in this situation I know, that, I know I that that. there's a lot of romances about old France isn't there mm. but I do like the fact that they are moving back towards eight really big nasty bastards <laughs> and then sort of a bit of madness Yeah, now, you can never a... go back to the way it was but I no. think that that as a blueprint should be brought back, and and it is being well, managed. I think that's what sort of Argentina are going for as well. They've got eight horrendously horrible bastards, and then behind them they've just got a, re- a revolving cast of people whose name you've probably only just heard of that will look incredible, and then will disappear for two years, and you'll I wonder why. I will never ever forget Geronimo de la Fuente's name though. Absolutely. How could you? How could you? Is that not the greatest name in rugby? They have some great ones, don't they? My favourite was do. their old coach because they've got that massive sort of immigrant mix, haven't they? Yes. They had this, remember Santiago Feeling? Yes. Not to you the virus Hang on. <laughs> I remember watching, you know, when, when Hugh Edwards went to Wales to Patagonia to talk to all mm. the, the Welsh diaspora there, and there was yes. some bloke called like Geronimo Edwards or something, and he had a massive <laughs> beard. And he was being interviewed in Spanish and the subtitles. He was like in floods of tears talking about how he was gutted that his parents had never taught him Welsh and he felt like he could never have that connection to his language again and stuff. This big Spaniard, like, not Spaniard, Argentinian speaking yeah. Spanish. Anyway, I went off on one there. It's, it's really weird, isn't it? It's like, I love that, but at the same time, I don't really understand it. What, those people in Argentina speak Welsh? Yeah, it's like... Yeah, and let's not get into that. But it's, mate, it's, um, it's mate, great. A mate of mine talked bizarre. to Glan Taff in Cardiff. They used to go on a yeah. trip every year down there. Oh, and he said yes. it was the most odd thing ever because it looks like a Welsh village. But everyone speaks either Spanish or Welsh, but they speak Welsh with a Spanish, Argent, South American accent. That's really he bizarre. He said it's the most bizarre thing. So everyone's like your mamgi, but they all speak Spanish. <laughs> mamgi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway Anywho yes. Should we go on to shit good we Fucking really should uh, Shit for me is I've already covered Sky's one eyed coverage Where they didn't use Their front line bit To analyse anything That Japan had done mm. At all mm. It was just all about Here's what England Didn't do Or should do more of Sky are, And it's the case With any Pay TV broadcaster To be honest They are You know Their job is to sell you this thing on the back of the thing that I they I suppose pay for. most of their subscribers and will be English people, won't they? They're and paying for, you know, and yeah, the most of their subscribers are English, they're paying for England games because they want to appeal to England fans, so it's incredibly fucking one-eyed and biased, and it's the same with BT, it's the same with Premier Sports, you know, it's 
the problem with fucking pay TV sports stuff and any pay TV stuff is that it relentlessly promotes itself. Um, speaking of relentlessly promoting itself, uh, Wayne Barnes, love him as a ref. Fantastic. Stop coaching them, for God's sake. I think you saw my tweet where I completely lost it's, my shit. It's just... Cut. If Like you say... If they're too stupid to see when a ball is not behind the back foot, they deserve to concede a fucking penalty. Yeah. That's how you make a bad a rugby player better. Instead of going, I'll, oh, it's just too much, man. So, He's I mean, a great I mean, ref. Ireland were on their own line, pretty much. <clears throat> mm. And he and he said, just to, the, the one that got me really pissed off, was he said, they moved forward, the, the New Zealanders, the defence, and then they moved back. And he said twice... I'll tell you when it's out. Mm. Now that is giving a defensive line an absolute advantage Massively. when they are trying to smash somebody off the ball close to their own line. <clears throat> if they don't have to think about when they commit their defense tackle yeah. line rush and they don't have to look because they just wait as soon as the ref goes, it's out. They can just peg it as fast as they can without thinking. Well, that it, is it, a referee it, given a significantly significant advantage to a defensive, it's, it's defensive team. It's basically letting it start. It's having a starting gun, isn't it? Or moreover, you they're know. given a significant disadvantage to a team who are already in the shit in the, near their own line. <laughs> yeah. and they're trying to clear the lines. That's the more important point. Yeah, it's it's. Ugh. And I think he's to a me, good ref. You know, people said I to think me, he's a good ref. when I said that, else? people said I thought he had a good game. I said I actually thought he had a good game. He's I'm a good, saying, but yeah, that, have a good that game. is still that, wrong. That thing and the thing. It's not just that he does it, but he is probably the most egregious example of somebody that does coaching with these players too much and it's it's almost like the game is so complicated now and it's so hard for you know he's effectively got to watch two things at once yeah. he's got to watch when the ball is and I know that the assistant refs are there but it's almost like in his head if he says ball is out then he knows that they won't go until the ball is out and so he doesn't have to watch the offside line as carefully and that yeah, is why true. and but that is why <laughs> Fucking players are offside at every single fucking ruck defensively, because the I don't know why. Off. In the old days, the linesman would have put would have pulled that. I know, and they're not bothering anymore. Yeah, you know, Chris really Ashton in that All Blacks game was never onside. I don't at any point, and he never got any. They're just not watching it, and it's bizarre. But yeah, there's an there element of there's an element of not being active in play, and if it's only a foot or so, does it matter? A bit like football, I can understand that because otherwise the game would stop all the time. Yeah. But there's doesn't matter though. Defenses are already massively on top. Yeah. Basically telling them when they're allowed to just balls out Bomb and it. run yeah. straight at people is, yeah. is, is not really a, a to good have idea. them literally stand you know, in a sprinter's stance <laughs> yes. waiting for the starting, for starting gun. gun. Yeah, for the pistols and then to go, yeah. Balls out, bang, they're off. <sighs> yeah. So here's what I thought was shit. Well, it's a kind of good, but it's a shit really. Peter O'Mahony on Saturday, right? Ugh. Was remarkable. Ugh. And Peter O'Mahony's yoink is one of the best things I've ever seen when he yoinked Incredible. that ball. Genuine, Amazing. Like, Peter O'Mahony's yoink is the, the gold standard of things, things in rugby. Because I was sure that was a try. Yeah. I was like, I saw, <laughs> I saw Ben Smith running the angle. I thought, oh, fuck, this is a try here. And it was just, nope. <laughs> and it was glorious. Peter O'Mahony's yoink. Let the word go first, forth from here. But anyway. then you had people. When I was saying, I think I said something about he'd been fucking incredible. And... <laughs> mm. It's people who look at a performance like that when he was on one leg for a lot of it as well. Yeah. 
And the, all, the only thing they take away from it is he wasn't supporting his own way to that penalty he won. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, is that all you want to talk about? Yeah, that that kind of performance you've just seen, which to be honest, getting away with shit is literally probably the first thing on a job description for a back row. <laughs> so what, what game are you watching anyway? Because, yeah. you know, what do you expect back rows to do? Also, back rowers literally don't get any help these days. So are you really going to complain about the one time where they yeah. fucking get away with it given that it's so hard to jackal these days and yeah. it's so hard to so win he was turn. bent over and his, his forearms were kind of flat so it looked like he was bridging <laughs> on his sort of forearms it did, yeah. and to be honest as cricket has demonstrated depth perception on television is really faulty anyway mm. because it can look like they, they demonstrated this in the cricket it can look like when you catch a ball close to the ground that it's touching the ground and yes. then when you actually just stay in the same position and like you can fit like a pen underneath the ball yeah you know, because because depth perception doesn't work in a two D no, medium. No, because it's a because it's a lens. Yeah. Yeah. So, so actually, you don't know those elbows are on the floor because it's it's just he was in that shape. Yeah. But even if he was, <laughs> is that all you're taking away from it? And yeah. somehow he devalues his performance because he might have been touching the ground, and that renders him a cheat. Is if he's supposed to go? Oh, I've got my elbows on the floor now. Sorry, yeah. ref. I'll stand Sorry, up. ref. Yeah. Like a fucking like you expect a football player to fucking. Get up and say, "Oh, yeah, sorry, it wasn't a penalty, ref. I, I, well, I, I just tripped over my own feet." Some naive people might go, "Yeah, Honestly. I would like to see that, but let's just live in the now." And actually, it yeah, has let's been. Be real here. I, I reemphasize the point: a fundamental part of the culture of rugby that you technically cheat like fuck until somebody until catches somebody you. Stopped. Yes, it's not like cricket or like football <laughs> where, oh, it's not against the spirit of the game. Cheating is the spirit of rugby. <laughs> Technical cheating is. There's yeah. an honor code around sort of. Not, but you know, spitting and that and and, yeah, and, and yeah. like shitty stuff. Yeah. But, but in terms like, of technical cheating, it is the game is riddled encouraged. with it. Well, the game is, you know, the game is designed to basically they make the rules, coaches and players then work out ways to circumvent yeah. those rules, and twas ever thus. Yeah, we all cheat like fuck, and then we clap each other off the field. That's basically <laughs> rugby. <laughs> exactly. And that's what makes it fucking brilliant. Yeah. So what is wrong with you? Anyway, oh, yeah. What else have you got? Um, shit. It gives me no pleasure to say this, but Jonah Holmes, <laughs> look, his most notable contribution in his first cap was to try his absolute damnedest to completely bomb two tries that he could have probably scored himself. <laughs> Both I think of he those looks tries. Right, though. It wasn't he great. Looked fun, no, he was. But, you have to draw a line somewhere. So, but yeah, honestly, he's twenty-six years old, right? He's a big lad, to be fair. But what is he offering as an international fullback that someone like, say, Dan Evans doesn't? You know, he's in the Premiership. He's quite big. Yeah, and it's like Dan Evans is has probably been the best fullback in Wales in terms of consistency for the last three years. Yeah, he's thirty now. But if we're picking twenty-six-year-olds who've never been near international rugby and never really looked like they should be near international rugby, to be honest. And giving him caps, it just feels a bit weird. And he didn't disgrace himself. Like he was all right. He was solid under the high ball, but like, it's just such a weird. It doesn't make sense to me. And where's and Jordan the... Williams in all this? Well, exactly. Yeah, the Dragons for. I mean, I know he's a bit holly. You know, he's a bit. He's, he's a bit highlight reel, isn't he? But well, you know, problem... he, he's a lovely runner. Yeah, and well, I think the problem is that Gatland burned here before. In yeah, that, that's true. the Matthew Morgan gate. The Matthew Morgan gate, indeed. So, 
Yeah, but I just oh, I look at him. I just think surely first cap though, first cap. Yeah, I I I I I don't begrudge him. I just think God, there's other players out there. Surely, but anyway. But I've got the shit. Do you know that ultimate rugby tweet which had all the percentages of people born outside the country? Yes, and then Gus Gus Pichot decided exactly. To Lots that. of people. Thank you very much. You've sent this in. The vice pres vice chair of world rugby. Yeah. Tweets this out. Yeah. It's such. Oh. Well, it's not. You know, it's like oh yeah, South Africa and. and what does Mary Poppins O'Driscoll think of his own business tweeting out this bollocks after they did the Bundyaki thing last year as well? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Gus Pichot has got an axe to grind about residency, etc. But and he can move himself away from the buffy table long enough from the look of him. Yeah. Oh, and and. Yeah, he's on the course to being... Oh, he's ill and Serge. <laughs> he's heading to full... Serge didn't even stand up now. Just says, get us a plate while you're going, will you, Augustine? <laughs> Double plated. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, he's obviously got an agenda, but it's like that whole thing is meaningless because it's like, what? So that Argentina and South Africa don't have any foreign-born players. Like, what's that mean, really, in 2018? What, that they're shit places to live that nobody wants to move to? Anyway, yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. Migration exists. Exactly. It's like, that's all that says. And some people are born abroad when like the parents are there for six months. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of and they sometimes come back. And yeah, even it's... if they're hey, did you know about Kieran Marmion's background? Well, he used to go to Brecon College, yeah. Yeah. Born in Barn Barking. Yeah. Went to Educated Brecon College. Bre... Played for the Exiles and ended up School how the hell did Brit... Wales miss him in the mid two thousands? Um, yeah, it's a weird one though. I think it's because he well, was actually, always... he may have wanted to play for Ireland. That might be the I think his parents he always... are Irish, aren't they? So. I think he always did want to play for Ireland, and you know, he that's played the thing for... that that fucking listen take into account either. The fact that you might feel culturally closer to your parents, yeah, nationality, which is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, it's Dicks. about it's about what you feel you are, not what you are. Like what you what says on your fucking birth certificate. It's. Yes, it's that you know. I'm not saying that there's not problems with the residency rules, and everybody would agree that there are. But fucking hell, there's a but that, time that, and a place. No point, that list isn't about that, is it? No, it's That's about... Not about a residency rule. That's just about a random no. trying to. Oh, anyway, I'm fed up. Yeah, it fucks me. What right else off. have you got? The shit. Anything uh, over to Twitter? Alex Lazowski. Not exactly worth all that wait and fuss, was it? Really. Well, I feel sorry for him in some ways. I feel ways, sorry for him, to be honest, because like, he's been playing they went to 13 this... at Saracens. Yeah, they fucking him about, is what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, they went through all that fucking rigmarole to try and get his ban lifted so that he could play for the... And then they finally gets his game. They play him at 12, and it's in this shambles of a fucking back line. With Noel outside. With a man who's never played 13 sat outside him. And, and now he's been dispatched and Pierce fucking <laughs> Francis is back. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what was the what point of that? What a time to be alive, yeah. That was really not worth it. Also, Alec Hepburn, two caps, two stinkers, not good. Yeah. He's too pretty uh, to be a prop, Alec Hepburn. That's I think the he is, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Shit from Twitter. Dave Price gets in touch. He says, shit is Wayne Barnes' attempt at a beard. Now, yeah. I'm, to be honest, I've got some brass beard. neck to talk about this, but his was <laughs> even worse than mine, I think. Yeah, he's got. he's not a natural beard grower, and you've got to you know, stick to a sort of... A, a designer stubble, Wayne. You know, you've got to you've got to understand what your limits are. Edinburgh Rugby says, "How is failing to gather a tentative but achievable interception worth a yellow now?" Mad shit. Compared to the things that haven't been yellow this autumn, 
absolutely insane. But that basically just says you can't really jump for a ball that might be slightly out of your reach now. Even though you yeah. might think you can maybe knock it up and whatever. Just don't if, even bother. Honestly, if South Africa had lost the game because of that, it would have been a fucking travesty. And it's a good job that they won because otherwise that would have been all we were all talking about for that the week. That baffles me far more than any head collision. Decision. Absolutely. Because he was clearly making a genuine attempt to go for the ball there. And he had a good chance of getting it as well. But credit to him. Yeah. He, he wore his yellow card in the way he's supposed to and just off he trotted. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to forget and take that for granted sometimes, but he just went and, and off he went. All right, yeah. <laughs> a shake of the head and off. Yeah. It's it, That's all it needs to be. The dead um, ball area says shit is New Zealand players' haircuts. Need, need, I'm not sure you need any more details. No. Uh, Big absolutely. Phil also said the, poor, <laughs> the pure shithouse awfulness of every all black haircut. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we need to take a special mention of Brody Retallick in this. It is. Um, not just for his haircut, actually, but because he was fucking really bad on the weekend. <laughs> it doesn't happen it. very often because yeah. he's probably the best lock in the world, but he absolutely had one. All that chat about Cons- being the best player in the world the week before. kind of. Uh... Yeah, and then he's conceding loads of pens. He dropped the kickoffs. He was making handling errors. It was. I mean, it's, sometimes, it's not if he's your player, obviously, but it is sometimes fun as a neutral, to watch a player that you know is absolutely fucking world-class just to have one. We've all had because days of world like that, haven't we? Exactly, and it just makes you go, oh, thank God, he's human. And that was kind of how I felt watching Rosalic on the weekend. Long Starbird got in touch on Twitter and said, shit is the continued inability of the BBC website to report a result without a crucial stroke hilarious typo, e.g. <laughs> the strapline <laughs> to their video, relive the moment Ireland beat the island. <laughs> The island. The sounds island. like a yeah. sounds like a sort of wrestling grudge match. Where <laughs> the one went to... imposter island to beat the <laughs> yeah. island. Um, uh, yeah. What have we got? A shit from Twitter. Fee got in touch. Said shit is people say we need to change the rules about exiles being picked for Scotland to make it a rule like Wales. So to stop that, then that will stop people leaving Glasgow because that isn't a terrible idea when you've only got two teams in your country, is it? Mm. Quite right. Well, and yeah, it looks like, uh, speaking of Hugh Jones, Leicester, uh, is, Leicester, Leicester is, is aware he's off, apparently. And, you know, I, I, it's bad for Glasgow, but the SIU have got 50 players out of contract at the end of this season. It was the same a couple of years ago at Edinburgh, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, between Edinburgh and Glasgow, they, are, they need to somehow re-sign or get shot of 50 players. It shows it's just one of because Stuart Hogg, you can genuinely see, I fucking fancy <clears> Exeter. Yeah, you know, look at the way they play. Look at where they are. Look at the supporters. Look at the European mm. Cup. All that kind of stuff. Where you know, so the money's probably a set. Whereas obviously with Jones, I don't begrudge him going for the money, but it Absolutely is a not. bit. I feel I feel sorry in a way because it is a bit like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go there, even though to be honest, he's only been, been. Yeah, he's only been there two years as well because obviously he was yeah, with the Stormers, I mean, and it, it's. I get the impression it'll be more fun staying at Glasgow and playing. Absolutely, Whereas I think you'll get fun. an equal level of fun going to Exeter, but you probably won't yeah. go to Leicester. You know. And is Le- does that mean that Leicester are going to start playing Manu at 12 now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have been anyway, haven't they? Yeah. Is that the long-term plan, though? Because he ain't a fucking international 12. Yeah. I hate to say it. Well, um, who knows? Lozowski isn't yeah. either. No. If, if, honestly, if Pierce Francis doesn't work, where the fuck do we go next? He'll be ringing me. <laughs> Um, um, they're going to try Joe uh, Thought of a Cigarette at 12 that's the next one you fucking mark my words 
<laughs> Big lads. The two tie Kefu gambit. <laughs> and if not, they'll try him at scrum off. Yeah, shit. Uh, uh, Katie Watson gets in touch and says that shit is the man who was sitting next to me at Murrayfield calling the Scotland team a bunch of women, oh, then clarifying oh, oh. it to me as well. They were pathetic, like women, when I called him out for it. He then ran away. Oh, standard, oh. standard, Katie. Fuck off, you prick. Not you, Katie, obviously. See, but that's oh. not. See, Katie, that's not real female empowerment. No. You've not crashed a motor car and not complained about it. <laughs> Piers Morgan will put you right on this. Exactly. He's just displaying, you know, what a man's manliness. And right if you there. like Piers Morgan, bracket, which I fucking don't, fucking... close bracket. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't actually see that because in order to sort of remove some of the unpleasantness from my timeline, I have just, even though I've never interacted with them, I've blocked Piers Morgan, Katie Hopkins and various <laughs> other people so that it can't be... I have to manually go and find it if I want to get angry about it. People say, why do you follow Andy Jones? Like, well, one, because I like to see what people are saying anyway. And two, and obviously because he's from another pod, you think, well, I wonder what they're up to and stuff like that. But mostly it's just up to being a bit of a bell. So. Yeah. yeah. Filling up that old hate hump, as yeah. uh, Bill Hicks once said. Do you have any more shit? Uh, no. Good, please. Good. So much about Ireland that was good. Yes. Of course. Tyke Furlong, monstrous. Ugh. Ugh. James Ryan, man. Mm. It just goes beyond the beyond. Mm. It's too much, isn't it's it? It's just unbelievable. And quietly, is... not much fanfare, but Gary Ringrose was excellent. Really good. Again, yeah. Just, just does it. The thing that I'm really enjoying about him is that he is playing 13 without being in any way flashy, but just being really good at it. I also, Which is what I like about him is, is that I'm a 13. This is where I play. I don't play <laughs> anywhere else. This is my position. <laughs> Completely agree. And yeah, he has got that number on his back and that is the only shirt he will ever plan yeah, on wearing. Fantastic yeah. stuff. No, I'm not a yeah. utility player. Fuck off. <laughs> what have you got that's good? Uh, Sione uh, Vailanu, the uh, Tonga number eight. Mm. Handful. Like a sort of 60-minute handful, don't get me wrong, but when he got his head of steam up, That's all you need, fucking hell, he took some stopping. He's a big lad. He used to play for Saracens, apparently. Don't I don't remember that. that. I don't remember that. No. One of the many fucking players that they've... Once again, <laughs> pin, peak rugby journalism for me, do you there? Yeah. Um, I've already mentioned Thokken a singer. Yes. Genuinely very looks good. The, looks the part. Yeah. We've already mentioned Peter Horn as well. Is he the find of the autumn for Scotland? Like him playing 12? He kind of is between a kind of figure of comedy and somebody competent, Horn. Yeah. He? And actually, though, when I think about his performance, and I can't speak for his club team, but when I think about his performances for his... When I remember him playing international rugby, I've always noticed him for the right reasons, mm. not the wrong reasons, which I suppose must really, be good. But he really seemed... I feel like he's really stepped up this autumn to look like a proper international 12, which he did in fits and starts, but I feel like he's catching the eye a lot more this autumn, and that's got to be a good thing, given that they could do with a consistent 12, you know? Hmm. Any more goods, quickly? Uh, yes, uh, we've mentioned Hugh Jones. Yeah. Uh, we've mentioned Peter Armani. We've mentioned Michael Leach. Uh, oh, yes. Best player on the pitch. He was a Japanese honest. eight as well. He was fantastic. Uh, yes, he was a big lad. Um, what was his name? Kazuki Himeno. Was That's the Na one. Was it Nakamura? One of the two, can't remember. Sorry. Um, mentioned Liam Williams as well, who looks again. Oh, Nakamura was a centre. Uh, 
Liam just looks like he's enjoying rugby again and was having a whale of a time. And that fucking... Not enough has been said about that fucking finish in the corner. Oh, God, yeah. Jesus Christ. That was outrageous. Like, in a game that was ultimately, you know, a fucking battering and won't be remembered long down the years, that finish is as good as anything I've ever seen. And he had it like, to do because Jonah Holmes gave it about a second too early. Yeah. Like, why didn't you draw the person in? You just flung well, it along. As well, Jonah, why didn't you just flop or over score the line yourself. and score Or if you're not going to do that, at least draw the guy so I could yeah. score it easily. But yeah, what a finish yeah. that was. Incredible. Um, and also, veering away from the internationals very briefly, uh, Charles Pieto, debut for Bristol on the weekend. That was a fucking heartbreaker for him, wasn't it? It was a heartbreaker for them, but woof. You put all of us. I mean, obviously that's why they're paying him half a million quid a year or whatever. But fucking hell, they look a different team with him in it. Yes, he is. And the try gift where he takes his bare head off is actually acceptable. I l- absolutely love it. It's up there with it. Ken Owens for the walking in, walking it's, off. Again, it, yeah, it's. It, I, I'd as as Sam Roberts said on. I'd love to know how they persuaded him to do that. But I love the fact because Brizzly Bear has got that sort of slightly strange look on his face the fact that he took it off to reveal a sort of cool calm casual little wink thing just made it even better for me i was delighted by it loved it good from twitter alvaro gets in touch is a good it's a bit self-indulgent as he says but i managed to get to a game in real life on friday and i forgot how much fun the shed is i'll tell you what actually i watched highlights of gloucester Played some absolute porn rugby. It was brilliant. Yeah. Even the tries that got disallowed are fucking great. Even Nick Mullins made a porn noise for that one. He said, something I did. I, I, I've been told by my wife that I'm not allowed to go, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> uh, because I was doing quite a lot of that when watching Wales on Saturday afternoon. Um, but it's hard not to. Yes, Come indeed. on. That's the thing about sport, involuntary actions. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce McConaughey got in touch. He said Good was Hugh Jones emphatically answering his quick click answering his critics and Good was also it's... Scotland only scoring world class tries, but shit is that they don't score enough of them. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Um But <sighs> honestly, there were some X rated fucking tries scored this oh. weekend on every level. Yeah. Wales scored some X rated tries, Scotland scored some X rated tries. Japan. Japan scored some X-rated tries. Gloucester and, and Bristol scored some X-rated tries. I mean, Ireland scored one X-rated mm. try. Oh yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? From start. Oh, oh, the switch, the switch of attack, the switch of attack. Simple Honestly, as that. The, the Sexton switch of attack to act to Bundyaki. That beautiful flat pass yeah. to Stockdale, and then he did that thing that wingers don't nearly do enough of anymore, which is do a kick over the top well. Yes. It's like it was perfectly. He kicked, it had that trajectory that reminded me of the 1990s. Is he the I don't fifth highest why. scorer in Irish history now after only 14 caps or something ridiculous? Something like that. that. The kid is fucking ridiculous. Um, and yeah, join the fucking queue of ridiculous young Irish players, mate. What else have we got? This good Bob Dobbsy 99 gets in touch. So good was Japan playing rugby like everyone wishes their team would play. Yeah. I made the point during the game. It's like, given they make they make handling look so effortless and comfortable, why can't everybody else do that? It's it's weird that they seem to be spending more money on it. Because they don't have more, they can't have more skill. 
Yeah. Because professional play, it's obviously about what they value and what culturally as a team they're, they're given time and freedom to do without going, don't do that, you're going to fuck it up, which is what basically, you know, it's more of a towards something nice rather than an away from fucking up type uh, yeah. approach. I mean, it's to do that when you're earning 12 quid a day or whatever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just fucking like wang it around. Then we're going to get a subway. Then we'll have no money left. Yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> what else we got? Colin McBride gets in touch. Good. He says, Devin Toner solidified Ireland's lineup after the Argentina game and excellent in defence. He is a totem, both yes. literally so and figuratively. Weird how this has happened. And yet it's absolutely undeniable. He's ex- excellent. He's absolutely excellent. He was everywhere on Saturday. Ted Harding got in touch and said, good, is Luke McGrath's cameo for Ireland. A lot of Ireland, you expect that. Um, he said, watch it again. Huge defensive performance. Ten tackles in 20 minutes. But Yeah. But felt like more. Again, the Farrell thing, I mean, you know, credit to him for doing it, but the Farrell thing, you know, you go out there now and you go fucking eyeballs out and you come off basically in ribbons. Otherwise, I'm not speaking to you on Monday. It's probably Andy Farrell's speech. <laughs> probably is, yeah. Not just Monday. You won't see TV <laughs> yes. for months. Um, I also enjoyed, also in that Ted on tweet, um, Reese Patchell absolutely ballsing up uh, that celebration after he scored that fucking wonderful try. I missed that. What was that? He tried, he tried to basically sort of throw the ball into the crowd, but completely fucked up and pinged it into the back of the head of a steward <laughs> and then sort of had a look at his face of, oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> It's kind of ruined his joyful moment, but it was glorious. Uh, Adam P got in touch and said, Jake Ball, you have never heard of him prior to the lineups this week, and I thought he was man of the match. Putting some great carries, look stronger. Yeah, he's great, Jake Ball. Yeah. yeah. Look out for him I mean, more. I was going to say, Jake, Jake Ball has, has. He has a number of caps. Hey, I'm not judging got, you, Adam. You didn't just, know him. You were impressed by him. Fair enough. Uh, Jake Ball has got 28 Wales caps. Yeah, and a massive beard. He's not that hard to miss. He's, but, but, he was. He was a borderline yes, phenomenon a few years ago because he had a beard, and of course, all men become a weird social with beards become a weird social media phenomenon. Yes, I call it the Ryan Fitzpatrick effect, but that's a very niche NFL yeah. joke. Uh, I don't know what that means. So that's um, fine. That's fine. <laughs> James Franklin got into. It. He said, "Good was Ollie Thorley's try. Yes, lovely in <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And he also yeah. put um, and his second length of the field try that put Kyle Eastman on his ass in the process." <laughs> Yes, yeah. He's nippy, Eastman, as well. God, he's got some fucking wheels, Thorley, hasn't he? He's, he's been out for a while, injured, hasn't he? Rapido, yes, he has. Um, Anything else? I just, I, I, genuinely, watching Gloucester on the weekend made me want to fucking buy a, a fucking Gloucester. season ticket. I'm not a Gloucester I fan, wanted, but I love it. I genuinely made me want to buy a fucking season ticket. Everything about it is like, brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, Maybe the tragedy comedy. Oh, yeah, there's this part of that. Part of it, I ultimately think that things are going to go horribly wrong. But I'm, I'm going to absolutely fan. I quite enjoy like Gloucester. Point. I'm a Lee fan, and I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> I like a bit of tragic comedy and misery in my life. Uh, Speaking yes. of tragic comedy and mystery, we're going to go now. Yeah, see you later. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for your time. Sorry we were a day late, and we'll speak to you all again next week. Take care. Goodbye, Take care, everybody. 
So if you're worried, visit their website backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.